Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Well, welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically. We are on episode 61, and today my guest is Lorna Gale, and this is her second time on the podcast, so I'm really excited to have her back. If you didn't catch the last episode she was on, it was episode 18, Breaking Free Sexually. So if you go listen to that episode, you will learn a little bit more about her journey of sexual awakening and her journey into the work that she does now from this innocent, sweet, former Christian woman who um, is now doing bondage. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about bondage and what that is. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, but let me tell you a little bit about Lorna before we get into that. So Lorna's mission in the world is supporting people in living sexually free and spiritually whole. Beyond shame, guilt, sin, permission, outer authority, or separation, and with the divine feminine and masculine experienced in harmony within and without. Lorna is an elder, somatic sexuality and spirituality mentor, and story unweaver, bondage trainer, and practitioner who helps people experience sexual freedom and spiritual wholeness. She is a poet, writer, and a story story unweaver in the spiritual erotic realm where divine feminine energy and sacred masculine form reflect spirit in the human experience. After being a stay-at-home mom for 12 years, followed by a 12-year career as an educator in the school system, Lorna turned her focus to wellness, first for herself and then as a teacher of energy medicine bodywork, somatic sex education, and bondage. Through their work with Lorna, people are coming home to themselves, sexually and spiritually. So welcome Lorna Gale today. She is going to um, really just enlighten us on things like tapping into our eroticism and um, can we be at home in our bodies and what does that feel like? Are we comfortable with self-pleasuring? And does that stir up feelings of shame? So there's a lot to unpack in this episode, and we're going to get to that right after when we come back. See you soon. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled or satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right. You've been brainwashed since childhood with disempowering beliefs about sex and relationships. This is known as the mono mindset. If you're tired of feeling stuck, you're ready for Breaking Free from Conformity, the eight-week program where you will learn how the mono mindset has set you up for failure in relationships, why you think of sex as wrong or taboo, why you judge yourself, you will finally learn how to have empowered relationships with confidence and success. Many of my clients have said, Kareen, I didn't know I had choices. I thought I needed a partner to feel complete. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. What if you could learn to love yourself and your desires without guilt? Well, you can. With Breaking Free from Conformity, the eight-week program, shifting the subconscious programming that is keeping you stuck. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. It's time to break free and start living your life. To register, go to offers.kareenbedard.com forward slash BFFC for breaking free from conformity. I can't wait for you to find ultimate freedom and create an empowered relationship for yourself.
please visit our website at www.breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love for you to join Breaking Free Authentically, our private sex-positive relationship community on Facebook. All the links will be posted in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Well, good morning. Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically. I am so thrilled to have my guest Lorna Gale back with us for a second appearance. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you're in for a real treat because Lorna is just a really, really special person. And um, I'm just very grateful for her in my life, even though we don't talk very often, Lorna. I'm just, uh, like I was saying to you earlier, I just... You have this ability to hold space for people, and you're such an example of that. And um, creating safety is something I talk about a lot in relationships, and it's it's the only way to move forward in relationships. If you don't feel safe in a relationship, it can't be empowered. You'll you'll feel just scared and unable to be authentic or share your truth. So. Um, not only having a safe space, but being able to create a safe space for someone is a real skill and a gift to have. So thank you for being that person for so many of us. And um, yeah, so welcome to the show, Lorna. Thank you, Karine. It's good to be with you again. And I'm um, yeah, so honored to um, be contributing to um, to your message and to be able to support with you uh, the many people who are listening to to this today and your other calls, um, but just in a way that really empowers people to live authentically in, in their way, whatever that is, whatever stripes, whatever colors, whatever it is for them. So honored to be here. And thank you for your kind words about holding space. And I agree with you that that safety is is really critical. So, yeah. And we're going to find out why. Uh, it's especially critical in your world and um, why you are such a great person to be doing the work that you're doing. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? And um, I know that in the last podcast, if you guys want to go listen to that, you'll hear a little bit more of her story. Her and I were both um, in religious upbringings, like evangelical Christian upbringing. And uh, we have both broken free from that. And have discovered the sex positive world and just all that's involved with making those shifts and rebuilding your worldview and kind of undoing that programming and breaking free from it is all part of that. So we do talk about that a lot on the other podcast if you want a deeper deeper look into this, but do share with us a little bit about about you and what you do and what brought you kind of to um, what we're going to talk about today. Sure, happy to. Um, and as you said, you know, we we have that commonality of the religious background and how it was very, very conservative. For me, um, you know, even dancing, like that was taboo, you know, so touching, you know, tapping your toe, like, am I going to get caught? Am I going to go to hell for that? You know, there was right, right. that aspect of it, right? So there was really this, from a very early age, this disconnection from those natural impulses of our body um, to be able to really be at home there. Um, what I found out was actually years after this whole aspect of that story of saving yourself for marriage, mm. how that really played a role in, wow, well, if I'm supposed to save myself for marriage, that means that my body, my sexuality is not mine. It's mm. for it's for the husband. It's for the marriage. So there was a real disconnection that way. And um, in my in my marriage, my 30-year marriage to a beautiful man in which we had two beautiful daughters um it was as they left the home and just realizing wow there's something more because early in my marriage it was this aspect of you know just falling asleep night after night with tears running down my face of like there's you know feeling that arousal and feeling that connection but it stopped and I didn't know what else was possible I didn't know what it was or Mm. how to access it so it became this journey that was there very alive within me and yet put on the shelf if you will until Mm. When my girls left home, it was kind of like, okay, it's time to really start exploring. Mm. And and that's where I, 
I did go, um, did some retreats and some trainings and classes to be able to find out what, what is here? What is, who am I? And in one circle, I remember one circle of women, and this is one of the reasons I'm so adamant and so convinced from my own experience and from what I've experienced in my own teaching is the power of community. And this whole piece about really starting to shine the light on, bring out of the dark, that which has been so hidden and so shamed because the sense of, oh, it's so wrong, let's tuck it away, rather than the way I look at it is it's actually so powerful and it really points to the truth of who we are and the freedom of who we are that that's why it's been, that's why it's been hidden, that's why it's been shunned, that's why it's been shamed. Mm. And so really coming back into this place of, in this circle of women for the first time ever, and I, I believe I was probably around 46 at the time, of for the first time, be able to acknowledge that I am a sexual erotic being. Mm. That's a whole lot of years, you know, four, four and a half decades of living elsewhere, otherwise, you know, in that sense of there's something wrong with me, there's something shameful, there's something that doesn't work, or that's, I have to do it a certain way, or I'm going to be condemned mm-hmm. forever. I, I just part. have a quick thing. Like you said the words that I am a sexual erotic being. And I just thought, I want to ask my listeners, can you say that about yourself? And when you say that, if you say that about yourself, how does that make you feel? Because I know that for a long time, I couldn't even have my husband call me sexy without feeling like that was wrong. And to say you are a sexy, erotic being is huge. And I think even still, to add that erotic being to my sort of persona of who I am, I think I probably still struggle with that, even though I'm in the swinger world and I have multiple partners and I have sexual experiences that are amazing and I understand my eroticism. I understand my erotic blueprint. But to say it like that, it Mm -hmm. still conjures up like, woof. isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So I just want to challenge my audience to like, how do you connect with those words? How does it make you feel? Because that tells you something about the shame and guilt that you've been programmed with around sexuality, which will come into play with our discussion. And I think it's important to kind of bring that to light. So thank you for using those words. Uh, you're welcome. Because, and that's, I, I, yeah. And I love that you brought that forth in, you know, for your audience as well, to be able to really come back home and, and invite that, you know, into that awareness. And I, I would say that in some ways that's been a, a big part of this whole journey for, I would say for the majority of us is this sense of we're looking outside of ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for permission, for pleasure, for authority, Mm -hmm. all of those things, you know, for the partner, all of those different things where we've been taught, look outside of ourselves. And so this aspect of coming back home, what does that feel like inside is, is a crucial thing. I know that the, uh, the quote by Audre Lorde has been really a, a, Beautiful piece in this for me. She talks, she says, we tend to think of the um of the erotic as a quick, tantalizing sexual arousal. I speak of the erotic as that deepest life force, that force that moves us in a fundamental way. And to me, that speaks to us of our our innate um, essence, the the divine essence of who we are as humans and in our divinity. So it's this whole thing, instead of it's being objectified or it's this thing, it's just really what is this that moves us from the core of our being? And so when we can really start to come back home to that, mm-hmm. that it gets to be expressed. And so, yeah, I, a sexual being that we come from sex. So why would sex be anything other than divine? Mm-hmm. And so to be able to really reclaim that and that erotic nature, what is it that moves us in that fundamental way to express in this human experience? I I love that. And and honestly, I think like to reframe the word erotic 
is so poignant and so yeah. important because yeah. the erotic is is really it's the energy in which we bring mm-hmm. to our being really mm-hmm. and a life without pleasure and play and mm-hmm. eroticism is lifeless <laughs> mm-hmm. right like it's just yeah. so yeah. there's so many people just kind of living life by the things they have to do the things they should do mm-hmm. go to work come home do all the right things and they forget to tap into who they really are at their core and a lot of that means just to survive shutting down your eroticism mm-hmm. because that's just a distraction mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and yeah. even in my work like even in my work which is so focused on sex positivity and freeing your mind sexually to to lose shame and guilt around your sexuality and your sexual well-being um even me, I find myself shutting that side of me down in order to be more productive in work and get more things done. And it's like, as soon as I shut that side down, I lose a piece of my energy of what brings me passion in life and and what gives energy to my work. And then I yeah. feel lost and struggle and have self-doubt and all kinds of things. And so and that's habit, right? Just to sort mm-hmm. of shut that piece down. Oh, I don't need that. Or that's asking for too much. Or that's, I think a lot of us think um, that's an indulgence, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's only something I can do on the weekend or or listen to my body in that way mm-hmm. in special times. Um, but man, like when we're tapped into our eroticism, we just, we're listening to ourselves. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're listening to our bodies. And so the erotic involves so much more than just sex, I think. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, one of my clients, she contacted me because she, you know, so she could really reconnect to her sexuality. And through our work together, she said, Wow, I thought the you know, that the the erotic was about sex. And she said, I've realized it's about everything in life Mm -hmm. you know even how it showed up how she was you know preparing her meals and what she cooked and how she enjoyed the meal and the food and um and then as a as a writer she became even more prolific and started to become you know get awards and recognition for her writing and so it just started to show up and what was happening in her sex life with herself and with her partner you know that was impacted as well for her it was just that awareness of wow it's not just about sex and sometimes isn't even about sex at all, but just mm-hmm. about that life force, that life force that lives us is just, there we are. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's like, that's just not something that we have been taught to prioritize. Mm-mm. No, no, no. But and, there's and so no if we joy in life without it, really. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes, again, we, we think about it's going to be about somebody else. and And how can it be when... Um, when we can really reclaim that with ourselves, you know, this, well, I don't, I'm not going to self-pleasure or masturbate. And I, I don't, I tend to pull away from even the word, I minimize the use of the word masturbate, because even that comes from the word shame. And mm. so this solo sex, self-pleasuring, what I call, in my work, I call it PEP, personal erotic practice. What is your personal erotic practice? And so to be able to really come back, can we really be at home in our own bodies? The touch that we want from somebody else, can we give that to ourselves? And so it starts to, you know, and the way that we touch somebody is often the way that we want to be touched. So let's touch ourselves in that way. Mm-hmm. And and again, when you talk, when you mention that, I think you're you're spot on that aspect of sex being compartmentalized, you know, for the special times of the weekend. And I, I would say it also shows how it's been compartmentalized in our bodies, genitals. Yeah. Period. <laughs> you know? And so, so it's kind of like, no, can we let this whole body be this sexual organ, this erotic expression throughout the whole body and start to let it infuse all that we do. And so that, you know, this sense of, um, I have a, a program, uh, one of my programs that I do, it's actually starting to look at the way we connect food and, and mm-hmm. our sex. And even this aspect of can we be even in our food, you know, the way we eat, can we eat with our 
hands, you know, rather than being disconnected by cutlery because it's mm. proper, you know. So it's various ways of, of really looking at how we do our sex and how it's reflected around us um, in other areas of our life as well. Mm. And again, not just about the sex, but the the erotic aspect of who we are. I would say, and maybe, I mean, you probably would agree with this, but let me know um, mm. that would the erotic involve sort of the energy in which we approach something or do something? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that, mm, certainly it's the energetics of it. Mm-hmm. What, what helps us to feel alive and mm-hmm. whether, whether we're feeling aligned or not. And I would say that all of us know what it's like to do something, whether we're talking about sexuality, going to a movie with somebody when we just don't really feel like it or it feels like, uh, I don't want to be here, but I should, or I think mm-hmm. I need to be, what will somebody think of me if I don't, yeah, or I don't want to yeah. hurt their feelings. <laughs> all of those things that play out in our sexual experience as well, right? Where we really aren't in tune with, or we're in tune with, but not in alignment with what it is we want or don't want or don't feel like we have the voice or the ability to speak up because well, who am I to who am I to say what I want or what I need or what I don't want or what I don't need isn't that selfish or what will they think <laughs> or yeah yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh yeah. I think that's probably actually one of the things that I love the most about ENM or ethical non-monogamy is the fact that when you have a partner that you absolutely adore and you love and and you connect with and you're very connected sexually and erotically we don't always have the same desires like we don't always have the same erotic blueprints so mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago i talked with dr tina coopersmith about um just the erotic blueprints and you know, there's energetic and sensual, sexual, kinky, and then shapeshifter. And when I realized that I was a an energetic blueprint, like predominantly, I think I'm probably a shapeshifter, but predominantly I'm energetic. And so that took on a whole different, different meaning to why I didn't like certain things, you know, like why I don't like being touched mm-hmm. in the quote unquote sexual places. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't want that at all. Not until I'm, I'm very much aroused and, and I could even probably, you know, orgasm without being touched in those places. Um, and like literally just having a hand hovering around there or like teasing me, will draw out that eroticism for me and really get me out of my head and in the moment. And it took a lot for me to try to come to terms with the fact that there was no shame with that, even though that's not how, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. most people like it. Or um, the fact that my partner didn't have the same blueprint, his go-to is very different than mine. We match up in the sensual blueprint. So we both have very similar sensual needs, um, but his sexual um, blueprint is probably higher than than the sensual, and my energetic is higher than the sensual. So I could never understand why I was feeling selfish or whatever, or um, possibly even shaming his desire for how he would get turned on right and uh, it's easy to blame porn or this or that but it's all about what you know what our bodies respond to and and desire there's no shame in that we can always get better we can always broaden our horizons and expand on that but what i was saying about ethical non-monogamy is that it's so awesome to be able to like you know, have a partner that has your exact blueprint and mm. to go enjoy a, a session, say, with that partner where you just kind of get to be in that 
non-thinking, just, just connecting in the eroticism of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not about the sex for some people, right? Like it's not about that. So it's, it's cool to be able to have the variety and to be intentional about your choices towards your eroticism and your sexuality and your experiences. And, you know, we're so shamed in our society Mm -hmm. to want more, (laughs) You know, it's like, well, you have a great partner. Why would you want more? Right. Because I want him to get to experience what he enjoys to the fullest. And I know that I will never be able to give him all of those things Mm. because that's not my blueprint at all. And I can do that sometimes. But if I'm mostly feeling like that I need to do that, then I'm not honoring myself either. So there's a nice balance of like, you know, we can, we can give to someone else and, and, and sort of honor what they desire too, but that doesn't always fill your own, mm-hmm. your own desire. And if you, and, and often, especially as women, we will put our own needs aside mm-hmm. and we will go, oh, well, my, that's not really that important. I just want to connect, you know, I just want to mm-hmm. make you mm-hmm. happy and, and be with you. So it's fine. I, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. need that energetic aspect right. of things. I'm good, you know, but yeah. when I realize that I'm doing myself a disservice by not honoring my body in that way, and honestly doing our sex life a disservice, because when we practice that, when we, when we tune into each other's erotic blueprints, holy shit, you know, it changes everything because then everybody's kind of in their most powerful and most erotic and out of your head, out of like this need to like, quote unquote, make decisions as you go. It just yeah. becomes a flow. Um, and, you know, I can have this like energetic experience with someone and like they're legitimately just a great friend. <laughs> like mm. it doesn't even have to be this like intensely spiritual connection it's really interesting and most people just can't even fathom that that would be the case Um, but it really needs to be about safety and connection and really understanding your body and what it needs and what your eroticism looks like and when you can really tap into that the world Mm -hmm. opens up in a completely different way Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. It's true. I agree with that. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something you know when we see when we don't under as we understand ourselves, right? When we have a framework or a way to understand um who we are, then then we can operate from that mm-hmm. and um feeling at home that way. Yeah. Um and it's it's actually interesting that I yeah, and it just very recently I was working with a couple that um, just, you know, wasn't even just working with the hands, you know, just touching their hands one to the other and just taking them through some brief practices. Is, and it's kind of like, wow, you know, as they identify what kind of touch do you want? And well, number one, do you want touch? Don't assume that, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want touch, you know, what kind of touch do you want? Just, you know, can you just stroke on the palm of my hand with soft touches or however they want or squeeze or pull the fingers, whatever it is that they in that moment wanted. So number one, you're starting to, the person gets to identify what they want and to be able to then just receive it. It's not that caretaking of, well, does does my partner want to give this, whatever? Well, they, they've said, yes, I'll give you that touch. So you can just sort of sink in and just receive mm-hmm. it. And so this part of being able to then know your own peace and then then the dance can happen in a way not tripping over each other's feet Mm. so to speak energetically right it's just ah here's the dance here's the dance that can kind of starts to flow yeah Yeah. and i think like let's just go back to shame and guilt because Mm -hmm. what happens in that moment is you rid yourself of shame of of needing or wanting something because you've already established sort of that you are are entering this give and take together and there's no shame there's no guilt about it it's just this beautiful exchange i think shame is such a 
a destroyer of everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like shame yeah, that's right. Is the big killer. Mm -hmm. I call it the shroud of shame mm. in the sense that, you know, it really does. Um, yeah, it, there, there's that death, there's that dying, there's that hiding that happens. And so when we can, you know, sort of start to strip that off, like you say, moment by moment in those experiences that it's kind of like, okay, there we are. There we know, even if it's in those moments, we know the freedom of of being who we are. Mm -hmm. This human experience. So, yeah. It's a, and um, one of the things when we were talking earlier about, um, you know, prior to coming on with the recording of just chatting about things of um, the training that I just finished. Yeah, um, I'm just going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. So I just finished. Um, so I, I, in my role, I, uh, from my midlife sexual awakening, that's, and again, at age 40, at age 47 is where it's kind of like, ah, mm -hmm. this literal instantaneous 180 degree change going from being very shut down to, oh my goodness, and seeing and experiencing things in a very different way, which then I took my teaching experience from the school system, from energy work, then into, um, into the erotic realm of things. And, uh, to be able to really support people in coming home into their own bodies through the somatic aspect of things. And then it was about a year after that, that uh, one of my colleagues talked to me about bondage. And I just kind of like, what's that? And I said, I kind of registered a little bit. I said, someday I will take that. And it was actually in one of my, in my professional training for, um, as a somatic sex educator, in one of our trainings, we had um, the students, we all got to do workshops offer a workshop for our classmates to learn and somebody had offered a spanking workshop and I kind of like oh wow because for me spanking growing up was that punishment right um and sometimes done where I hadn't done anything wrong but you know didn't believe you know and so it's just kind of just reinforce this this aspect of disconnection and various things and so I kind of, okay, you know, being open into the experience of here we are as a part of our training. And all of a sudden, through this spanking workshop, to experience it as this, it's a connection thing that I'm just being held. And, you know, and to be able to support this body being honored in this consensual way. So here I was kneeling, you know, kneeling on my hands and knees, clothes on, and, and this person just holding my body. I could just sink into this place of trust and this connection. And where all of a sudden then when the spanking started to happen, it was, wow, this is a whole different experience that I had. And it's just kind of like, wow, this is fun. So it was fascinating how that just really started to open this whole different realm to what I had perceived as little as I knew about it even, this whole aspect of BDSM being so evil and so dark mm -hmm. and shameful, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's people that are so I will, I will use the word evil. That's the word that came. And I, and so like so much of my stuff, it's kind of like, oh, we've been living, looking in a mirror. And so what we've been doing is actually the opposite. And actually, where is it? I had it, had it someplace. I was showing a friend. If you take the word, and this is one of my teachers 25 years ago, said, if you look at um, the word live backwards, in a mirror, it spells evil. So it's really not that anything is evil. It's just we're looking at it backwards. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. I had it right here with me because I was moving some papers around and I showed my colleague. But when we look at things in the mirror, and so why would it be shamed? Why would it be seen as dark and evil? It's because it shows us this connection back into ourselves. And so it was funny, the next the next training that um, we did, I had gone out with one of my colleagues in the training and actually signed up, or she had, I had her taken me to the, the leather store, to the thing, and I'd got my corset and my tall leather boots and my fishnet stockings and my leather skirt. And it was just, you know, my first flogger and crop and all that. And it was just this amazing to be able to tap into this energy of, wow, this is so pure and so so right. What's actually fascinating was that I didn't understand, a lot of people don't understand about the BDSM world, is that consent is actually one of the foundational pieces of things. Yes, yes. And, and while there are, like any, any realm of things, there are people that act it or say it, but don't really act on it. 
but foundationally consent is there and you know the use of safe words right yellow mm-hmm. or red or whatever they are um, determined to be but that aspect of really sinking in in a consensual way and so this past um, I just finished doing a five-day training of a bondage training where I as the trainer got to train a new um, bondage practitioner and so, so any of your listeners who are thinking, wow, is there, is that something, you know, I would love to speak to them about that because what I have found over and over in my, my 12 years of being a, a bondage trainer and practitioner is that, and it just continues to deepen and deepen in my own experience and my own awareness is that what I'm doing, and I, I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit here for bondage itself, it's a combination of BDSM or bondage and erotic massage and it's this beautiful weaving together of, of things and Jaylene Bennis is the creator of it the creatrix of bondage and this beautiful body of work that you know is being practiced globally this beautiful beautiful powerful body of work that just really allows people to sink in and feel to be restrained uh but it's in a light way. It's so for many people, it's a an introduction to mm-hmm. BDSM in a soft, gentle way. It's not about extreme pain. It's not about leaving marks. It's about here, come and step into this realm that maybe you have imagined about, wondered about, been curious mm-hmm. about. And it's this beautiful way to step into that. And as I have um as a practitioner done this with people, it's just creating this experience for them where they can go in and feel and as i put their collar on before at the beginning of the session i say my commitment to you this collar represents my commitment to you to safeguard your well-being um you've got your safe words you've given me your medical anything that would pertain to how i can care for you there and i said and i'm going to take you into places i'm going to create experience for you where you get to feel things perhaps you have never felt before whether that's physically whether that's emotionally just sensations in your body and i am inviting you into this experience um do you accept my caller as your commitment to feel as fully as you can Mm. yes i accept so i buckle it on and that's like our commitment during that session time for me to care for and for them to feel and it's it's amazing. I remember one one man when I lived in Victoria, he sat up at the end of the session. He said, "What have you just done?" <laughs> he said, "He said, I my world, my work is words, and I have no words to describe what just happened." And so to be able to, I've come to really see that my work, a part of my work, is this bringing together, bringing people back into themselves mm. beyond this idea of female and male, man and woman, feminine and masculine is really, can we come back home into ourselves and feel what is there? That when we came into this human experience, when we came in as babies, we didn't have words for all that we were experiencing. Those were words that were given to us, labels that were given to mm-hmm. describe, to point to that we could communicate. And oftentimes, those words have often been used, I say, by divine design, to take us from feeling what is there. And so by touch, by creating these sensation experiences with my, you know, my my crop, my canes, my Wartenberg wheel, which is one of my favorites, is to be able to create these experiences where people are taken to their edges of feeling and, wow, can I feel all of that? And to take them into something that is what I call feeling beyond words. There are no words, and they're just taken into this feeling of just there, which brings us into the core, into the more of the essence of who we are, that erotic energy, that life force energy that lives, and to tap into that. So for me, it's about creating this, I call it as a heal, I, I, I see myself as a healer of mm-hmm. the erotic, through the erotic, and healing not from the sense that we are broken, but actually realizing, no, we're whole. I'm helping to heal, which is taking off those things that where we have thought we have been broken, where we are disconnected, and to come into that experience of realizing, oh, we've been whole all along. It's been the masks, the shroud of shame that has made it seem other than that. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to create these places where people come back to feel even slow, slow touch, and this is even something maybe you read your our listeners can really try is 
the more we relax, um, the more that we'll feel. So the more we breathe, the more we relax. So the more you breathe, the more you feel. And when you have slow touch, you feel more. And that's where oftentimes in my experience for myself, as well as um, in the, the multiple multitude of people that I work with in my coaching, as well as through bondage, is that when there's something in life that's irritating, there's something that's bothering us, something that feels unsafe, something that feels too intense, we get busy. We focus on something else. We um, distract ourselves. We get busy, 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 busy. Oh, I've got a busy schedule. I can't. Because there's something inside that's saying, come on, just come on in and feel. Mm-hmm. And so little by little, just slow touch allows us to feel deeper. Slowing down our pace allows us to feel those sensations, not that are dangerous, not that are in too intense, but actually hold the gold that mm-hmm. actually start to bring us back home into who we are so that when we can do that, then we can express sexually how we feel, how we choose to be, whether it's in a monogamous relationship, whether it's in a celibate experience, whether it's with multiple partners, it doesn't matter because we're coming from, we're living it, we're living um, arrows from the inside out, not from outside like we've been taught. Okay, does this fit? Can I do this? Should I do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to confirm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think it's it's so potent to allow ourselves to tap into feeling. And mm-hmm. and I think sometimes like some of the most incredible sexual experiences are are literally when after I just I have no words. Like I'm taken to this place where, you know, I mean, I don't know if you'd equate it to subspace. Maybe you can um talk on subspace a little bit not everybody knows what that is um but to go to subspace is is it's so powerful it's just like there are no words when you're in this subspace you need a lot of aftercare to get back to sort of the real world but it's like it can be depleting completely emotionally and and energetically like you're just ready to sleep after Um, but it's such a like warmth (laughs) inside. I kind of almost went there last night. I just, Mm -hmm. I I was like right on that edge and it was like, it's when the intensity is so great to what's happening, but you welcome it and you sink into that intensity and allow it to, (laughs) to penetrate you, if you will, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to allow it to just become a part of your body and, and don't fight the sensation and just welcome it. It just takes you to this like mm-hmm. other level. So I mm-hmm. don't know how you mm-hmm. would describe subspace. Mm-hmm. And and I would I would say I agree with you that aspect of things where you're just in that just that feeling state of things of just the no words and and it also um, what what came to mind when you were saying that it also it um, is on a parallel with the whole aspect of orgasm where there is that um, and I'm not talking about necessarily just a physical release, but mm-hmm. where there's that part of where it's just kind of like, whoa, there are no words or this. And it's called um, la petite mort, right? The, there's the little death, the small death. Okay. And and I think that both subspace and the, the orgasm actually give us a glimpse of um, of our energetic our spiritual divine nature of who we are because we are literally just in the energetic, the feeling state of things. There are no words. There are no things that are there. And it was actually one of my, um, one of my submissives that um, it was he, as he was sharing about years before we had ever met, even he was talking to me about the multiple years where he had been in a sisterhood where, you know, about five five couples and you know where the where the men were put into submission and the, these female doms and this whole breaking of the will and the you know the men just truly wanting to be in service to and you know that sh- that shedding of the identity and sometimes the the training to happen to reinforce no mm. not what you want not what you think 
It's not about you. And to me, as he was sharing, you know, he'd shared that with me many, many, many times on from different different um, times. But there was this one time several years ago, it just kind of like, there was one of those ah moments, right? Mm-hmm. Where it was just kind of like, that's exactly that whole thing of, it's the feminine. If we talk about a female-led relationship or a femdom and the male submissive. And again, um, I, and I know that we are not by gender or by nature, we are not even we are genderless, who we are in our essence. Um, but this dichotomy of, oh, it has to be separate, right? So that's been a part of the journey. Um, but this aspect of looking at the feminine, um, bringing the masculine into service and into, no, it's my way. It in many ways re- represents and mirrors that spiritual, um, that we are spirit, rather than human again one of my ahas and one of parts of my spiritual and sexual awakening was this what that really started to a catalyst for it was we are not humans having a spiritual experience which is what we were taught religiously mm-hmm. we are spiritual beings having a human experience mm. and so this whole aspect of just as that masculine i'll use that model because it represents our polarity and our duality that we've been taught mm-hmm. That it represents this masculine thinking, yes, I am there, here I'm the leader. And we know what from the patriarchy, that is the mirror of what our true essence is. And so we know what it's like when it isn't in natural flow. We've been living the mirror. And so it's this masculine being brought into service for the of the feminine, just like the dark night of the soul is often for those who go through a spiritual awakening this journey of the spiritual awakening to who we are is like this this sense of this identity of giving way into ah to that spiritual realm of things Mm -hmm. so for me it's just really and so when it's really that parallel if you will or that mirrored aspect of of who we are and the beautiful way of for me of seeing how that domination and submission if you will that feminine leading and the masculine in service is really um, has become for me a representative of this human divine experience Mm. so for me where and that's where i said you know earlier on in our topic right where in our talk when this aspect of something that was so shamed so evil so bad it's just like oh why is it seemed that way it's because the opposite so when we turn and look into it in the true way of how it is it's actually speaking and pointing to and giving us the experience of our true divine spiritual nature. Interesting. I have this question for you because mm-hmm. you are such a calm, what we would probably define more as a submissive type personality, right? How did you discover that you had the ability to be a dom? Like a dominatrix, like it just seems so not who you would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked this for myself too, because I have this sort of image of what a dominatrix would be. And I think I probably could be a switch. I'm more on the submissive side, but that's also my need to not make decisions and be in control because I I am always in my head. And I want to just get out of my head. I don't want to make the decisions. Um, but I'm also much of a leader and a sort of a dominant personality. So what how do you determine, you know, if mm. if you're a dom, a sub, or a switch? Like how mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say number one is uh from the inside out and that's where you get to some people right like we try on clothes try to find out what fits uh for me right away it was that that dom aspect being the dominant one being that leader saying this is what we're going to do and um and again supporting the people you know in feeling things so for me it was that was just my natural inclination to yeah to be able to create those experiences for people. And and I've been told, you know, yeah, you look pretty conservative. You look pretty calm. Yeah. You know, I can't experience. But when I, you know, when I get my 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 
things out, it's see people that oh, you seem kind of you look kind of cruel. You look kind of like you're enjoying this. <laughs> and and there's this aspect that it just really taps into a whole a whole different aspect, a different expression. And again, when there's this this when consent is in place, and I know yeah. that that I can just really express that part of me. And it's not even even though I say I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this. Um, because I know that it gives them that opportunity to sink into their nature. Gives them that opportunity to just let go. I think that... and it, I was just going to say, do you think it's because you're less dominant in in regular life? You know, it, it's hard to say. You know, I... I, I I run a, a home, you know, I've been in charge of that. I've, mm-hmm. I have my business. I've, you know, as a teacher, you know, I was, right. you know, I yeah, was yeah. the dominant yeah, all yeah. that way. There's, there's all of that part. Um, and I have equated, like, I remember years ago thinking gentle, I don't want to be gentle because I saw it as a weakness. Yeah. I thought, how can I be, how can I be a leader if I'm gentle? And I'm thinking, how can I not be a leader? If well, I think that's what how can I not be? Me. Yeah. That's what's that's what attracts me to this is why I'm asking this question because I I think I do like to dominate, but for me it's a very gentle, sensual way. Mm-hmm. So when I kind of take control, for me it is creating sensation and mm-hmm. an experience. I am not gonna be that dominant person that I uh, like I have no interest in in hurting people or having mm-hmm. them experience pain of any kind. Cause that is absolutely not mm-hmm. what I like. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in terms of the kink world as a submissive, I enjoy like tickling or, or mm-hmm. energetic play or creating I, sensations. It's not about like, I don't want pain. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. do not, mm-hmm. like when we're talking mm-hmm. flogging, I don't want slappy. I want thuddy, mm-hmm. you know, I want just a pressure. I want to feel sort of, a thud on my body. I don't want a slappy, pinchy pain. I don't right. want that. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that maybe I have not even been thinking of the the possibility mm-hmm. of dominating in sort of a gentle way. I don't maybe haven't equated it as mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, but I that feels attractive to me mm-hmm. to take someone into an experience and yeah. dominate in that way. Mm-hmm. That I can that feels aligned for me and natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I, and that's, that's beautiful. Um, I love, I love hearing your, that aha, because there's so many parts of us that we kind of like, wow, I hadn't, hadn't thought about that. And so different pieces, you know, like with a spanking workshop for me, it was kind of like that totally caught me off guard of how mm-hmm. that gave me a, a totally different experience, uh, an, uh, you know, an embodied experience of that, mm-hmm. that really, that totally changed my trajectory um, in, in that way. And and it's actually interesting pain. I actually, um, not in a, um, I'm going to just see how to say this. I do inflict pain mm-hmm. in, a, in a purposeful way and in the appropriate times. And the reason being is various ways. Number one, um, it gives people an opportunity to feel. And when I know that they have their yellow and red in place, mm-hmm. They can they can they can determine what are they willing to feel. It allows people to feel where they haven't felt before. I'm creating a place for them where it is safe for them to feel. Um, often, I mean, I think probably all of us, in one way or another, have experienced sexual trauma. We have all, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean sexual abuse, sexual um, incest, all of those things. But all of us in some way have experienced sexual trauma in some way. We have all experienced what it's like to have our consent, mm-hmm. our authority, our sovereignty overridden from a child. Like, go give grandma a kiss. I don't want to. Go yeah. give grandma a kiss. She's going to, you know, all of that. Just kind of like, I don't want She'll to. She'll be sad if you don't give exactly. her a kiss. Exactly. Oh, so so the, shame, yes. the shame, the guilt. And we've, we talked about that in our previous call. Um, and And so when people come to me and they are being held in that space yeah. where they know that they are entering to, into this consciously, they have the ability to say stop or slow down. They now are entering into what I call an, uh, into this healing experience because they now get to experience what they choose mm. 
And it's they're in control. Exactly. They get to experience in a consensual way what they got what they experienced often in a non-consensual way. So it's a way to come back home to themselves and to really, okay. And what happens there often ripples out into the other parts of their world. Um, And what I find as well is that when people, um, when they have um, the mirror, again, the mirror aspect of things, and the mirror is uh, is crucial and pivotal in my work uh, in many ways. But it's as that ability to feel pleasure expands, so too does their ability to um, um, feel pain. As their ability to feel pain expands, so too does their ability to experience pleasure. And so we have this idea of pain. Well, what would pain be like if we took away the label of what it is? It's Mm -hmm. a sensation. And so as we can, in a consensual, safely held space, feel then healing happens on a way, in a way, and on a level and levels that is literally beyond words. Mm. Because we start to come back home to ourselves. We're re- reclaiming, um, reclaiming ourselves on many, many levels. Mm. Yeah, that is so. That mm-hmm. is so beautiful. And there's a there's a thing I, that I say often is that pain when you accept it and you lean into it will flip and turn to pleasure yeah and like that happens like if your cervix is being bumped for instance and it's like painful painful and if you just kind of open up and embrace that pain it'll Mm -hmm. there's that moment where it just flips to pleasure because it's the same receptors yeah right just like anxiety and excitement are the same Mm -hmm. same place it's just it's it's the mirror mm-hmm. <laughs> the perception yeah. of what it is and so um and, and the other thing i just want to leave with cuz you have to get going here um is this idea that the submissive is actually the one in control and i think it's a misconception like a good dom knows that they are um they're helping someone to to experience control of their themselves. They're mm. like, what would you? What's the word I'm looking for? Facilitating mm. someone's honoring of themselves and control. So, a bad dom is someone who just thinks that they're just in control and they they can hurt people and they can do whatever they want. They're a masochist. They can do. Um, and a dom just kind of and a sub just kind of takes it, mm-hmm. um, but. The reason why in the polyamorous circles and the kink circles, why consent is so important and why people freak out, because it's very different than in the swinger world. Right. Like in the swinger world, if someone touches your shoulder, no one's going to freak out mm-hmm. and say, what you, do you, you don't have my consent for that. Right. Because in the swinger world, and this is something I've recognized more recently, there is that it's about the chase. It's about the being, being pursued for Mm -hmm. a lot of people in, in that world. And it's almost an understood consent on certain things, Mm -hmm. certain things. Right. And, and it's almost expected that you, you can be a little bit more forward, but you can't have that in the polyamorous and kink world. You can't Mm -hmm. because there you're playing with too many things that are so so sacred to someone's safety and identity and you're going to places that you can't in an effort to create the safety needed for being able to allow yourself to go to these places you have to make consent the most important thing and i think that's why a lot of times people in that world are seen as like overreactive about consent mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. A, a polyamorous person coming into the kink or into the um into the swinger world they just look like they're overreacting about consent all the time mm-hmm. it's really interesting mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there's a reason for it we have to understand Mm-hmm. You know yeah. mm-hmm. how consent is yeah. so important mm-hmm. um, yeah. in, in sort of the context mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah, and and 
um, it seems as well that an important thing for, for, I know it has been for me and perhaps for the, our listeners as well, is the realization that consent is an inside job. It's a feeling. It's not, it's not even consent about between people as such if it's not happening within. So that consent is a feeling. It's that mm. consent within. And that is what gets communicated. Yes. Yeah. So it's, yeah, living it all from the inside out. Yeah. Oh, I love this. We could go on for hours, I know. I'm sure. We'll, for, we'll meet for um, um, podcast. We'll have a third episode. <laughs> That's right. Oh, That's Lorna, right. really quick, because I know you've you got to get on the road here. Um, where can people find you? I will put these in the mm. show notes, but is there anything that uh, you specifically want them to know and mm. leave them with really quick? Wow. Um, I'm I'm on Facebook. I'm on um Lorna Gale there on the Bondassage site. I'm I'm actually switching up my my write up and my picture a little bit here because uh, it feels like I want to re-represent myself and my message and my work. Um, but I'm the maestra there, and um, then I've got my trusted body work, uh, Lorna Gale on the trusted body work site. It sort of gives me a gives you a glimpse of some of the work that I do uh, online. I'm doing some in person things, and again the Bondassage. Uh, trainings for practitioners people who mm-hmm. maybe do body work uh, or in some type of um, way of connecting into people that way that say hey this might be something uh, modality to add in I love I love doing the trainings because it's so empowering for mm-hmm. everyone really starts to break through some some of the old stories of who we are and as sexual erotic beings right oh it's so rewarding to like <laughs> watch people be set yeah. free it's just incredible it isn't is. it it is it is something we're both passionate about so absolutely yeah thank you for this time together Karine this has been you create a beautiful space for conversation and that portal for so many people to walk through into their own new experience so I just really want to honor and celebrate you in that thank you for thank you so much yeah Yeah. I love you Lorna and and (laughs) I'm so glad we got to connect again. And sometimes we just need the excuse of a podcast, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. But, That's hey, you it. all got to be a part of this wonderful yes. um, reunion and conversation. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. Love all you. Right. Have a wonderful you. day. Okay. Mwah. Bye for now, Karine. Bye. Bye. Oh, what a lovely conversation with Lorna. Isn't she amazing? She's just so sweet and just lovable. And like I said, she's so great at holding space for people. So if you are interested at all in bondage, you're learning more about that. All her info will be in the show notes for you. So go ahead and take a look. You can book a call with her if you'd like. If you would like to just be free from this need to conform and find your own freedom and Connect with the eroticism that is available to us in life when we're free of shame and guilt and judgment. Then go check out my program at offers.kareenbedard.com slash BFFC for breaking free from conformity. It will be in the show notes as well, but a new cohort is starting uh, first week of October and I have a few spaces left, just a couple spaces left. So get in on that. Um, just go visit that page or book a call with me. If you have any questions at all, let's do this. Let's get you to this place of freedom from conformity. Let's shift that programming that's been running the show in an unhealthy way. And get you aware of why you do what you do and so that you're able to handle your emotions and work through the difficult things. Trust me, I have been using the tools all weekend. It has been a challenge, but it is so important to have the tools and the awareness to understand what's happening to you when you do struggle with different things in life. And and it could be anything but these tools are invaluable. So I challenge you to go take a look. I would love to work with you in this program. It's honestly life-changing. Check out the testimonial, check out the podcast with Misha, um, where she talks about her experience with the, the program. I just want this for you guys. I want all of us to be free. Life is too short. It's too short to be stuck. So let's do this together. 
Anyways, I love you all. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. I'll see you next week. Mwah! Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Kareen Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at kareenbedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week.